In this episode, I talk with Jojo Juarez, and he shares a unique opportunity to work for FC Dallas East Texas and the partnership with the MLS club FC Dallas. But it's so much more than just that. Jojo loves to have the opportunity to make a positive impact on everyone that he meets from players to coaches to the community of Tyler, Texas. Hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and on the episode today, I have Jojo Juarez. Jojo, where are you at, and what are you up to? (laughs) First off, thanks for having me. Um, I am in Tyler, Texas. I am in the heart of Deep East Texas. I am currently the Director of Coaching for FC Dallas East Texas um, on the junior side, so really quickly. We define juniors by being kind of everything 10 and below, age 10 and below, and then select or competitive is everything 11 and above. So I oversee everything to do with our juniors slash academy groups um, here for the club. Um, And that's kind of my day-to-day role with them, not including everything we do kind of on an outreach basis as well, which is pretty much um, all kind of my jurisdiction as well. So camps, clinics, programs, coaching education, stuff like that as well. So um, we we pretty much encompass almost the entire East Texas area. So uh, we've got we've got teams and we've got uh, programs in maybe 30 different cities um, around or sorry, players from about 30, 40 different cities in the East Texas area. Um, kind of located in these little pockets uh, geographically all over East Texas. And we're obviously mainly centered in Tyler. So but we've got small affiliate branches and all across East Texas as well. So. so is FC Dallas East considered like, it's like a satellite. Um, it, yeah, we're, we are. Yes, we are. An, yes, we are an official affiliate of FC Dallas youth over in Frisco. So we are about two, depending on how fast probably you drive, probably about two hours uh, from the main club up there in Frisco. Um, you know, from Dallas, if you were about an hour and a half, but then you got to jump on the tollway and go another 30 minutes North to get up to Frisco. But, um, we are, yes, we are an official affiliate of FC Dallas youth. Um, and we obviously kind of handle everything in the East Texas area. So we're, we're quite unique. Um, I know that there's a lot of MLS clubs that do have affiliate clubs located geographically kind of all over. Um, we're unique in the sense that we are geographically, um, very, very close um, relatively to the main club. So our day-to-day with the main club is a lot more um, intimate than probably most satellite or affiliate clubs uh, for other clubs. So, you know, we do have players that go on a pretty consistent basis, on a weekly basis, that go up for training or trials and things of that sort. We have a pretty consistent relationship as far as coaching education goes. So we're constantly sending up coaches uh, to the main club to observe or to, um, you know, to be observed. So that relationship is a little bit unlike um, kind of maybe a stereotypical affiliate relationship with, with some others, just geographically speaking, because we are close enough. We do have kids, we do have coaches um, that are, you know, consistently traveling to and from uh, with whatever business they may have. Like I said, whether it's girls or boys going up to train or go boys and girls being dual roster um, and, and vice versa. So that, that part is, is a little bit unique. Um, 
probably compared to a lot of the clubs that I've seen and or been a part of. You know, I, I've heard of, um, you know, some other clubs that have blank, blank FC, and it's like a thousand miles across the country, you know, um, and so on and so forth. And I'm sure we've all heard of that. So for us, the relationship is extremely unique in the sense that if we need something, uh, we're a little bit more than just a phone call away. We can actually just get in the car and hop over. And so that's that's been really fun for me, um, particularly because now it's there's that tangible, um, you know, kind of outward sign of, hey, we do have a direct pathway. We are um, unique. We do have something to offer that uh, not hopefully not a lot of other clubs, especially in our area, do have so. I think that's so cool. Cause like you said, I know of some of clubs around that say, Oh, we're uh, partnered with blah, blah, blah. And you're like, they're all the way across the Atlantic ocean. How, is, exactly. how does that work? Yeah. Um, but the fact that your players can like here, you're going to get to go experience some of the training with the next level of, and maybe possibly if you're right. going to play. And then I thought it was cool. You even said for the coaching side. So for you, even as a director, you're getting constant yes. kind of feedback on, you know, what can I do with East to help you guys in Frisco and vice versa? Right. And I think that's really cool that there's right. a kind of a give and take. You know, the, the interchanging of ideas, the interchanging of, you know, kind of programming, kind of the, the big 30,000 feet in the air views of things is especially valuable from my standpoint, because I can see what works and what doesn't work in their market, how I can tailor it to hopefully work in my market and or you know, there have been things that we do here that they they quite enjoy and they've kind of, man, I wonder how we could either scale it up or down to work there. And so, like you said, it's a little bit more tangible for us um, just because, you know, we are such close proximity. And for the players, especially kind of those players that are, you know, air quote, kind of ready for the next step or what, you know, whatever that means. It is just, you know, as simple as hopping in the car and driving kind of that hour and a half, two hours, depending on who, what, when and where. And so, um, like I said, having that kind of carrot at the end that to kind of dangle in front of those players is really, really important because that helps us not only legitimize what we're doing, but it also it helps bode well to the community that we do. We are a legitimate um, professional club. We do have the infrastructure and the programming to develop whether you're a DA player or whether you just want to, you know, have another positive experience. We have every tool and we can pretty much, um, you know, service anybody in between that realm. Like I said, whether they want to go off and play in the MLS or whether they just want to do really well on Saturday and have a really, you know, awesome time doing it. So um, that, that part's been really, really special. So. And how did, how did it come about that you became the director of, uh, you know, the East branch of this. Sure. So um, <laughs> oddly enough, I was actually working for another MLS club before I was uh, with the Houston Dynamo um, in Houston. Um, and uh, my family and I were relocating back to the East Texas area. I'm actually from East Texas, uh, very, very, very small town of Henderson. Um, and when I was coming back, the club, the youth club that I worked for prior to leaving um, had actually been, I guess, absorbed um, by FC Dallas. Um, and so a lot of the same people that were involved, uh, a lot of the same administration, some of the same coaches were still involved. And so it was actually a really, really easy deal 
Um, when I knew I was relocating from Houston to East Texas, I just kind of called some people up and said, hey, guys, I'm, I'm coming back. Um, is, is there anything I can do to help? I just want to help. And so um, by help, I think it was, okay, good. We can dump all this on him. <laughs> <laughs> I got a sucker in line right here, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was, it was actually a really, really easy fit because they, they had a need um, for someone to kind of take in and, and kind of revamp everything. Um, and I had what I thought um, was a, a really good chunk of experience and knowledge and, and, and a willingness to help. Um, so it was actually a really kind of perfect marriage of the right person with the right needs at the right time uh, to come back. And so it was, it was, it was pretty seamless, actually. Yeah. And it was kind of a no brainer for me, um, especially kind of keeping in that whole, you know, being with the Dynamo and another MLS club in a huge market like Houston. Um, I liked that feel. I liked that impact. I liked that. Um, I liked what we were able to do in Houston. And I wanted to be able to do some sort of semblance of that here in East Texas, because I've got a personal investment here. And so to have a platform like FC Dallas East Texas here in Tyler uh, was super important. And so I just, I saw it as a, as a chance for me to, to, you know, maybe the romantic in me to, to make a difference. And so um, super, super easy. It was the right guy. Hopefully the right guy. We'll, we'll, I'll tell you in about 10 years if I was the right guy, but uh, right guy at the right time with the right opportunity. So. So you have had, um, some pretty cool experiences with the MLS level. Um, was there, what did, what did you do prior to, to maybe in the Houston Dynamo type thing? Were you coaching? Were you like playing? Yeah. How did so, the- you know, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit and kind of get a little backstory. From a playing perspective, everything was pretty stereotypical for me. I just grew up as a youth player, as a high school player. Then I played a little bit in college. But, you know, the, the unique thing that happened was I played at a junior college and then I didn't go off and finish my degree playing at a university. I actually took a student assistant role um, at uh, UT Tyler um, here in, in the Tyler area, which at that point was a D3. Um, now it's a D2. But I got a chance to become the student assistant there while finishing my degree. So I, I was able to actually kind of grab a really unique opportunity for me to start my coaching career um, at a very, very good level with really two coaches, the men's and the women's coach are two um, big time mentors of mine. So Kenny and Steph were extremely instrumental in helping me kind of build my philosophy, helping me, you know, first and foremost, give me a view into what it was like to be a real coach, um, but, but also just helped me tremendously. So in addition to that, at the same time, I had also gotten an opportunity with that local youth club. I think I mentioned earlier that was absorbed by FC Dallas. So I was, it was unique because I was able to teach, you know, during, I was, I had my own teams at the youth club and I was in there doing it, moving and grooving, but I was also being taught during my time as a student assistant at UT Tyler by Kenny and by staff. And so um, that went on for about four seasons. Um, so that was, that was a pretty unique, I finished all my degrees. I got my associates, got my bachelor's, had a good chunk of time there, really learning, cutting my teeth and coaching, but also I had a pretty good wealth of knowledge coming in because I was able to be such, uh, be around such prominent figures like Kenny and Steph. Um, and then, you know, kept doing that for a while until I took a year, I, I took off to Plano, Texas, which is in the Dallas metropolitan area, um, did some ODP stuff there, uh, worked at, a, at another youth club, pretty big youth club there in Dallas. And then I actually got a call 
from um, an, a former colleague of mine at UT Tyler, who is a Houston guy. He ended up getting a job with the Dynamo. He was the youth programs director there. And he just called me up. I think it was 2013, 2014. He's like, hey, man, you, you want to come work for the Dynamo? And I hung up the phone, packed my bags, and <laughs> see you later. Um, so I took off to the, that was 2014. Yeah. So I stayed, I went to Houston. And, and actually, in addition to that, um, so I landed, yeah, landed there in Houston. Uh, I think it was in May or June. And then that April was when I started my high school coaching career. I got a job, landed a teaching and coaching job um, at a local high school uh, there in Houston. Um, and so I was, I was pretty much coaching every single day. I was teaching PE, coaching varsity soccer, coaching there at the Dynamo and all of our ID programs and combines and camps and things of that sort. Um, you know, that the, the high school job morphed into um, then I took an athletic director role better better private school in Houston and so uh, all of the whole time I was coaching or around athletics the entire time until it was time for my family uh, which at one at that point it was just one child we had Maddie when we got over here but um, at that point it was it was my wife had gotten a, a job opportunity here in East Texas. And so she couldn't turn it down. We're both from the East Texas area. So we wanted to come back, uh, raise our children here. And like I said, that's when the FC Dallas thing kind of slid in. So to answer your question, I, I, I don't think I ever really stopped coaching uh, from very, very young age. As a matter of fact, you know, my first, my first role as a coach actually came probably when I was maybe a freshman in high school. I had a younger brother, uh, that played. Um, so right around the time you transitioned from a youth player to like a high school player, um, he started to play his youth career. My dad was my coach growing up, kind of my hero. My dad was his his coach. And so it was a way I was his assistant, you know, kind of air quotes. When I say assistant, I just jumped in the sessions the whole time. I didn't really help. <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably messed things up more than anything. But um, I actually became his little assistant, you know, for a, for a couple of years through my high school career and then even a little bit into college. And I remember I started my coaching badges um, during that time. I think at that point, I think we called the G license. Now we have them named the grassroots licenses, right? But back then, your state association could offer licenses. And I think the lowest one was like a G, which was like a U6 through U8 license. And I remember taking that when I was still in high school, maybe a freshman or sophomore. Um, and so that kind of little, although it was like a three-hour course or whatever, that little three-hour hour course was like, oh my gosh, there's so much to coaching that I have no clue about. So I kind of got a, a very early taste into that pathway. Um, and like I said, at the same time, I got to see my dad kind of move and groove and I saw what it was like to impact kids and impact communities like my dad did and I wanted to do it and so you know through early on in my playing career you know in in, in high school I was still coaching even when I went off to go to TJC to go play um, I was still coaching in all of our camps and stuff that's how I got connected to that youth club Azuri um, and they you know they they thought you know, I guess pretty highly of me. They handed me some some teams, uh, some pretty high profile teams at that point, and I just I just ran with it. You know, I ended up getting my D license during the time. I got my C license all during the time, and so I just I just ran with it, man. At a very very young age, and I've always been around the games. So even when I was in administration, even when I became the athletic director there at the school in Houston, um, I was still around sports every single day or still around physical education, you know, it even morphed into, 
my graduate work is in coaching education and athlete development um, there at Xavier. And so I just, I mean, I just, I made a conscious decision to follow a passion of mine and I, uh, I'm a lifer, you know, and I hope, I hope uh, that I get to continue to do this every single day, the rest of my life, because I don't, number one, I don't really know anything else other than this, but number two, (laughs) um, I enjoy it. It is a passion. So I've been coaching since as long as I can remember, Um, you know, how good that was or at what levels, you know, that's what that's neither here nor there, I guess, but I've been around this game for quite some time and, and I do love it. I do enjoy it. I hope I continue to learn. I hope I continue to, uh, to bring some good things to the table, kind of wherever I fall. So, I was going to say that you ended up saying it at the end there, but I was like, man, this guy has tried all kinds of different things and <laughs> passion was popping, kept popping up in my head. Like he just loves the game. And I don't really care at that point as you're learning and figuring out where you wanted to be. You're like, I don't know if I want to, if I'm coaching youth or high school yeah. like director, I'm taking a course. Um, the other thing that I think was really cool during that was you referenced, I think it was Kenny and Stephanie. Uh-huh. Or Steph, um, yep. as mentors, what kind of impact? Because it sounds like to even mention them in that kind of liking, like just almost like on a friend type thing, how big of an impact did they make on you in terms of where you're at now? You, you know, I, well, number one, first and foremost, they're not the only ones. Um, there's, there's been a couple other influential people, but them two, especially, they, they were instrumental in they allowed they were I think they allowed themselves to be vulnerable in that they let somebody kind of from the outside who really I don't think I was credentialed enough to even get a sniff at what I was able to do and they were vulnerable enough or empathetic enough to say hey you know what let's kind of bring this guy on and allow him a full-fledged glimpse into what it's like at the university level so I'm extremely grateful to them because they really opened their doors they you know I remember at the beginning um, you know Kenny especially Um, he was very, very closed off as far as allowing us to really put our hands and stamp on things at the beginning. And that was kind of year one, but over time, he allowed us more and more flexibility, allowed us more and more trust to be able to kind of implement what we wanted, kind of our visions and our stamps on things. And so I really hold that in high regard because again to allow somebody to come in kind of from the outside um, and allow yourself to be vulnerable and things that sort is is a really really hard thing to do Um, it would have been extremely easy for him to say all right hey this is my way this is how we're going to do it you're going to do it my way and not give me any sort of freedom or flexibility and allow me to grow you know it's one of those deals you can't give somebody you can't tangibly give somebody trust you just give them opportunities to be trustworthy and I think he did that and hopefully I I gained his trust over time by executing at as at as high a level as I could with whatever task it was, whether it was, you know, washing the uniforms or working with the back line, you know, on the field, or whether it was ordering food for an away trip, or whether it was getting the goalkeeper ready, dealing with high balls in the air because this team liked to play over the top. So um, they both were really impactful for me because they allowed me to experiment and grow and and really quite honestly I look back and you know selfishly I'm like man I don't know that I would be able to do that you know given their given their circumstances and given those um you know the context behind it because really honestly it was their programs it was their jobs at stake 
you know, and they let this young kid kind of come in and hang out and be a part of it. And for that, I'm forever grateful. And, and that also, I hope that the people that I impact or that work for me or with me or, or whatever, I hope that they feel the same way, that I allow them those opportunities, that I empower them. Empower is a good word. How about that? Um, that I empower them to go out and be successful. So um, those two, those two, I owe a lot to, because like I said, um, they could have very easily, you know, yeah, come on in, uh, wash this, do that, you know, rinse that, whatever, and then just, you know, clock out, punch out, and then leave it there. But they definitely made me feel a part, and, and I like to think, and I hope <laughs> um, that, that, um, that any of the success that we did have there um, that I was able to play a small part of, and, and, and hopefully that kind of returns the favor. So um, hopefully that that does them justice. <laughs> it's similar to the uh, that idea of like pass pass it forward kind of thing, <laughs> where if someone does unto you, then you keep. And I think the cool thing about that is is that, um, and that's one of the things I love about doing this podcast is coaches love to talk the game. They love to share their experiences. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. But for some reason, there's this this thought that coaches are very like you. I think you used the word guarded, where like, eh, I'll like you can be in the mix, but you're not in the mix. And mm -hmm. that I think coaches, for the most part, want to spread the love. Um, and like you said, empower. What an awesome word to use, um, and what have you. And I think so cool that, like I said, it just something triggered in my head when you just brought up their names. Like, man, they made a really big impact on you during that experience, that time of, of kind of like lighting the fire for you? No, it, you know, I think I fast forward a little bit from, you know, cause that was during my undergrad time. So that was right around, you know, 2009 or 2011, 2012. Those were kind of the prime years there at UT Tyler. Fast forward a little bit to kind of 2015, 2016, 2017, you know, when I went from being a varsity, you know, coach and a, and a, and a PE teacher to one year later, I was an athletic director. Um, and, and so that transition also too is super impactful for me because it was the same deal. I was given a chance um, by somebody, you know, Jeff Matthews, um, who's a mentor, another mentor of mine in my educational life, um, who, who gave me a chance. He saw kind of what I did kind of that, that one year that I was that coach and teacher there at, at the school, village school there in Houston. And then he turned around and offered me an opportunity to go and, and lead an athletic program and kind of build um, in, in something that he felt that I could do. And so those are, again, that word empower comes around again, because he really, he, he gave me that chance and said, Hey, look, go do unto others, you know, as, as, has been done to you. And so that autonomy and that flexibility was, was really impactful for me because then it was, I felt not only a responsibility to the school, but I felt a, a personal responsibility to him, man, he's trusting me with you know with, with his athletic program here at the school um and so i wanted to kind of go above and beyond for him and so that was another experience that was extremely impactful like i said because then it, it wasn't so much about the x's and o's about what we did you know i can't remember specifically what our records were or anything of that so i think we were to be honest with you i think we were just kind of okay at being okay <laughs> with our sporting programs there um, but that was fine because our athletes had a great time. Our parents had a great time. The school rallied around our kids. The school rallied around our athletic program. And we, we, that was the measure of our success. And so again, if, if 
nobody remembers a basketball score, Ian. We, I think we're a basketball school. If nobody remembers a basketball score, that's perfectly fine. But they remember, you know, events like Crash the Court, which was like a homecoming event we did. Like they remember, you know, the house system that we built and, and you got points for, uh, you know, going above and beyond during athletic event. And they won, you know, points for their house and they got to stand up in front of the school and, and say, yeah, we did this, that and the other. Like those were the things I think that were super impactful. And like I said, I wanted to create those not only for the kids, for their memory, but I wanted to do that for Jeff because he gave me a chance. And so that there, there goes that whole kind of pay it forward, kind of empowering other people to go out. So um, that that's, and, and all this to be said, it's all a huge passion of mine. Every, all of the, all, everything about this is that whether it's soccer, sports, impacting people, leading, whatever, it, it all kind of lumps itself into kind of one bucket um, for me personally. So, any chance in any capacity I get to do that, um, I'll, I'll jump all over. So like I said, number one, because I don't know anything different, <laughs> but number two, because I love it. So, I think the cool thing is about all of the things that you've talked about, like you've even kind of referenced it is it wasn't about the scores. I'm not, gonna, I'm not here talking about my results or what we did tactically. Like we're talking about the impact that people made. Like you had so many opportunities from doing athletic directing to teaching to and the other thing that I thought was really big was you're in Houston, you're part of the Dynamo. You're like, dude, we're crushing it. We're connected with the MLS. And then your wife gets an opportunity to come home. And it sounds like it wasn't even like, well, wait a minute, babe. I mean, I'm here in the MLS. It yeah. was, you know, you're, you have, you're grounded enough to know, like, you're, you, you're part of this too. Your wife is part of the whole mix as well in the equation, her happiness and her and what have you. And like, you knew I want to find a way to be make an impact wherever it is I end up because you've done it throughout your uh, your whole time growing up. You know, I, I almost think there was a bit of a, a, I almost think there was a bit of an incentive for me to come back in that. Okay, I do have this big bulk of experience and this big chunk of of, of know how. I, it was almost like a calling, like you need to bring that back home type deal. It, it's kind of time for you to to come back and bring that back here, and so. Uh, that may be a little bit romantic of me, um, but it, it, yeah, it was a no-brainer because I knew that I was prepared to come home to, number one, raise my kids here. Uh, well, kid at that point. I didn't realize we we're having a second one for a little bit later. But, <laughs> um, uh, number one, I wanted to raise my child in this area. I value everything about this area. I value the family feel. I value the, the community feeling about East Texas. But number two, it was, yeah, it was easy because I knew I knew that I could, or I trusted myself enough to say, you know what, I can, I can replicate this. It may not be on the same scale and it may not be in the same markets or um, necessarily with a badge behind it, but I can replicate those feelings. You know, I can replicate that, that pride, that, um, that empowerment. I can replicate those things kind of wherever I go. So um, yeah, it was, it was definitely tough, you know, leaving Houston. It was, it, cause yeah, it was, it was a ton of fun. It was a fun place to be. I had a lot of firsts there. I had my firstborn son there. I won my first state championship as a high school coach there. Um, you know, the very first MLS club I worked for was there. So I had a lot of these firsts there. You know, I met Kelly there. Uh, and, and But at the same time, it was also very much I was at peace with leaving it all there because, I, again, I knew I could replicate. Or I, I, I was quietly confident enough to say, you know what? I need to take this back home because 
I, and again, there's that word romantic, I wanted to hopefully be the catalyst for the future people like me who just love this and need a vehicle to go out and do it, you know? Um, and so that's why it's, a, it's important for me doing what I do now, um, you know, with, with the club to, I mean, yes, forming the teams and forming the, the player pools and stuff like that to feed into the club is great. I think where I get most of my self, you know, gratification is knowing that hopefully we can impact, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, the rest of those JoJo's that are out there who, again, just need that spark, just need that vehicle, just need that little bit of whatever the, you know, whatever the case may be to, to go out and impact uh, um, hopefully the world, you know, and again, sorry, I'm a, I'm a romantic, it's whatever, you know, <laughs> uh, but I do, I do think that way. So That's so cool. The, the other thing I would say, we've come back, you're looking to make impact. What are some of the things that at FC Dallas, East Texas that you try to do to, to, to do some of those impactful things? Sure. In the so, you know, I think I, I'm a firm believer in, in order to be great, I think it's it's one of those you need to do your ordinary tasks extraordinarily well, and I think that's the measure of greatness in my or that's how I define it. So, starting off right from the get go when I got here, my only task uh, was formation and creation of teams in the academy level or the juniors level to then hopefully sustain themselves into our select program, right? So that's the easy part. I think that's the part that we've kind of poured into um, heavily and that became my day-to-day. As we got a grasp on that, it firmly became evident that we need to do more. I felt a professional responsibility in that we are the professional club here in town or in the area, to be honest with you. Um, We have to do more. We do, uh, you were fortunate in the area, we do have a large number of recreational programs. So that are all run by either the municipal, you know, the municipality in each town, or maybe like a YMCA or maybe a church organization, right? So East Texas is really littered with a lot of those, um, but they're also very disconnected and not very conjoined and, and not as, um, I don't think have necessarily the infrastructure to really put forth a product to retain as much as we all want, right? So I think from a big picture, we want kids playing from age five and they go all the way up to U16 and then they go play high school for their community or or their high school and they have a great time. I think everybody would agree that that's not the case um, everywhere. As a matter of fact, you know, like, and I don't think it's a secret, there's research to show it, you know, kids are starting later, they're quitting sooner their burnouts, early specialization, all those different factors that play into it. And so, although we do have a number of organizations that are, that are um, offering soccer, we're not seeing the game grow as much as we think it can. And so that's where I think we at the club, me personally, have a legitimate professional responsibility. Um, we do feel like we have the right infrastructure as far as the human resources. We do have a professional staff of coaches that are well-trained, that are accredited, that are, you know, licensed, that are degreed, that can go out and impact. And so for us, some tangible ways that we've done it, number one, first and foremost, was start a conversation, 
to be completely honest with you, that was legitimately the number one thing we had to do first. Reach out to these organizations and start a conversation about collaboration versus competition. Because um, I think there's a bit of a stigma. Um, there's a bit of a stereotype in that we're the club organizations. We're going to come in, pick off your best players, and the hell with everybody else, right? We just want your top kids. We're going to steal them away from you. They're going to come over here. And then we don't want anything to do with you because we're an elitist group. Um, you know, we're pompous, we're arrogant, and the game is ours and not y'all's. And y'all can go play on Saturday mornings and we're going to take off and go play in the leagues and dogs. It's not the case. Yeah, that's not the case at all, as a matter of fact. So tangible ways, like you mentioned, first and foremost, starting conversations. Um, and some of that was cold calling. Some of that was rekindling, you know, old relationships. Some of that was um, kind of changing the narrative and things of that sort. So that was number one, the ultimate ground level way that we are hopefully impacting the communities here, like you mentioned. Number two, those organizations that did want to collaborate, that did have an open mind, that um, that really were proactive and in, in, in kind of moving themselves in a different direction. It was actually driven, the bus was driven by them. Um, they, it was, it, it was almost case by case. One city or one municipality or one church organization would be like, hey, look, we have a great group of coaches that are volunteers and we've got a great strong group of kids, but these coaches don't have the tools. Their dads, their baseball players, their football players. Again, you're in Texas, you're in football, uh, you're in football heaven down here, or you're in baseball heaven down here. So soccer really takes a backseat. We're just now getting to the crop of parents like myself that played growing up, right? Because 30 years ago, 40 years ago, those parents then they were all playing baseball, they were all playing Pop Warner football, right? So all again we were getting to, you know, these organizations that, hey, we've got a great group of volunteer parents and we've got a great group of kids. We just need to impact those, those parents, or sorry, those, those um, volunteer coaches, give them the tools so that they can go out and impact the kids and hopefully give them a good enough experience where they want to come back, right? Which is their ultimate goal, recruitment of new players and retaining them to stay in their organization. So perfect. All we do for them is we do, you know, coaching clinics for them. We go out, and we say, hey, guys, here's a coaching clinic. Here's a couple of tips. Here's, you know, they don't necessarily get a degree or a license for it. But that's just ways that we can exponentially grow our impact. You know, instead of going out there and helping one team of 12 kids, we can go do a coaching course with 12 coaches who then go back to their teams. And now we've exponentially grown that impact, right? So matter of fact, I just did that two or three weeks ago with one of our partners. Um, just a straight up coaching clinic, two hours, a little bit in the classroom. And then straight outside, because everybody doesn't want to watch the, the slides. Everybody wants to go see the new drills. Right. Um, <laughs> a little frustrating. But, um, you know, that's they that organization had an immediate need. And we and we we didn't impose ourselves. We let them drive the bus. What do you need from us? Perfect. We can do that. Boom. Go. Then on the flip side, we have organizations that say, hey, we do have a lot of um, great volunteer coaches, you know, for whatever reason, you know, we've got they, maybe former players or whatever the case may be, uh, but we have trouble with, uh, you know, player retainment and recruitment because, you know, maybe they're not playing enough or they're not getting enough games, right? Okay, so then let's create some in-house kind of intramural type field tournaments or 3v3s and stuff like that, something to help the players. So with the other organization, it was very, Right. With this one, it's very player driven. Or let's create 
training programs, right? For those players to feel like they're continuing to develop and things of that sort. And then again, there's even programs that, hey, look, we've got the players, we've got the coaches, we need help on our board. We don't have a strategic vision and, uh, and mission and stuff like that. Okay, well, we can be kind of that consultant arm for you guys. Here's kind of a one, three, five-year plan for you guys as far as from things ranging from field design and layout to strategic partnerships in the community. So really kind of anything and everything in between, we've kind of accomplished, to be completely honest with you. And it was all driven, and I think the key was, it was driven by the organizations, not really us. I never wanted it to feel as if we were trying to impose our will or we were trying to come in and revamp and reorganize um, in our vision. It was really, how can we collaborate instead of come in and, and kind of coerce you into doing whatever? So, um, you know, like I said, we've had coaching clinics, we've had player development programs, we've had camps, and we've even sat in on, on board meetings at the board level as far as hey, have you guys considered, you know, your leasing agreement with the city going this far instead of that far? Have you considered about buying different, um, you know, plots of land? So again, everything from camps, clinics, coaching, all the way up to kind of strategic leadership, um, we have tried to impact. Like I said, not so much on a formal basis as far as we have these, you know, we don't have necessarily have a brochure where you can come in and buy X package or Y package. It's really um, down to kind of agreements and, and conversations as far as what they need to drive that bus um, wherever it is they want to go. And then honestly, too, there's been some organizations that don't want to be helped at all. And that's perfectly fine um, as well. So um, our, our I think my job is to make the club accessible and available. And if and when somebody does want our services, that we're able to collaborate in whatever it is that they need. Anything outside of that is all gravy. You know, I think the main thing, the main stigma for us is, oh, they're just coming in so that they can kind of weasel their way in and steal the players. Two things with that. Number one, it's just not possible logistically. A lot of these areas that we work with. Um, and number two, it's just a bad business model at that point. <laughs> you know, I think that's, exactly what we're trying not to do we are hopefully giving them the tools to em hey, here's that word again to empower themselves to create that within their communities you know um very very few and far between do we actually really get a tangible player that you know a diamond in the rough that actually comes out and is able to make the drive to tyler you know on a consistent basis and make an impact you know for whatever reason it's not to say this players aren't out there it's just too few and far between but if we can get if we can go to a city or whatnot and impact those 200 players and those 200 players all continue to play soccer and they associate FC Dallas with their positive soccer experience, then we've won. And so did that association. So did we, and, and so did the game in general. So um, it, to answer your question, like I said, tangible things that we've done, like I said, number, number one, first and foremost, engage in conversation, open up dialogue. And then number two, really let the organizations dictate what they need. And we right now, consistently work with about five organizations um, and, and, and our impact within those organizations really differs um, between one and the other. And some of them are more in-depth, some of them are more superficial. Um, it really depends on them. And so, um, you know, things like training programs, coaching education programs, um, you know, camps, clinics, invitations, IDs, things of that sort are all kind of within that scope um, of, of us impacting them. So, 
Um, and then on the flip side to all of that, you know, we're in such a rural area in East Texas, connecting the game in general, uh, but connecting the brand. There's a lot of people who, who don't know what FC Dallas is, you know, or who we are, or who the main club is. They'll honestly probably never, either they've never seen FC Dallas, they probably never will see FC Dallas, um, you know, because of TV rights, but that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we have to connect the brand and the, and the game in general, regardless of what badge I have on. I think it's our responsibility to connect the game to these areas. So um, that's also super important. Um, and that's kind of one of those 30,000 feet in the air type romantic views. But at the end of the day, if nothing else, hopefully we've connected to game, the game uh, to those communities and they've got a positive, they've got a positive outlook on the game because of something we did. So. So a couple of things that really resonated with me was one, the conversation piece of we're not just coming in, like you said, with a brochure that says here, let's cookie cutter and mm -hmm. let's just put it all in. This is going to fix everything. Um, the other thing was, I love that you were, your focus as with, uh, FC Dallas, East Texas is more on we're support and we're problem solvers. Like we're going to be here to help you, you know, if, if it's infrastructure, if it's coaching or whatever. I think right. that's so cool because like you said, and I think everybody runs into that issue of the rec side versus like the travel mm -hmm. club mm -hmm. side yeah. and yeah. how do those work both together? And I think the cool thing is instead of keeping it separate, you're reaching across and saying, look, we'll come and help you. And I think the other thing that you realize from your experiences, from those that have made impact on you is um, your actions and how you go about doing things speaks so much more than words. Um, so kind of like you talked even earlier about people with this, like, well, we're a partnership with so-and-so who's a thousand miles away. Well, that's cool. But how does that impact me here where my feet are at? And right. whereas you can physically go, look, man, I know exactly, like I'm from this area. I love this area. I've lived here. I know the struggles. I know some of the things that you're dealing with. Um, but we just want to give you the opportunity to, so this 20 kids, can we get it to 25? Can we get right. better coaches where your coaches feel more um, positive with that? I think the whole outlook is so stinking cool for what you're doing. I think it's something that others should, I would think would be great to kind of build off of. Because to be honest, there's a handful of clubs in the U.S. who are really, really high level, but the majority of us are, we're, we should be in the, in the business of trying to, like you said, can I get that next JoJo to, to love the game and possibly go and become a coach or be a player or impact right. the way that you've been impacted? That, that for me has, you know, and it's funny because I've been, I feel like I've been extremely fortunate to go on some pretty high level thing. I've, you know, I, I've, I've had a cup of tea at, at, at most levels. And so in each of those levels, they all have their, their kind of definitions of success. But I think slowly now my focus is starting to turn on less and less about success and more and more about impact. You know, I can't promise you that 10 years ago, I was, I wasn't, you know, just obsessed about, what ring can I win next or what tournament can we, you know, win at the weekend or whatever. And I was, I was that way. I absolutely was that way. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I still am. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely <laughs> love to compete. 
Um, I love, you know, the, the thrill of it and the journey probably more, more often than not is, is, the, is the trophy. But I think the more and more I go about my career now, it's becoming more and more about impact and how can I set up more people to succeed long after I'm gone, you know? And so um, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a struggle for me at sometimes um, it, it's, it, it does kind of eat away at me every time that I'm kind of not in the mix of things or, or, you know, I'm not necessarily on the sideline full time uh, a whole lot anymore, but the, the, the overwhelming sensation of knowing that I had impacts and positive impacts on people and players and organizations is far becoming something that I value way more than any ring or medal or anything else, like I said. So um, although those things were important um, in the past, those things have helped shape me. Those, yeah, those winning you know, trophies and losing, all, they've all helped shape me to where I am. So I'm thankful for those. I think there's a place for those. I think there's absolute, some huge value in those. And I'll be honest with you, I think a lot of my successes in, the, in my previous years of my career have helped me open doors to be able to do the things that I'm doing now. So it's definitely, there's definitely value in those things. I just think now my whole mindset is shifting on, you know, what really is a win, you know, for, for me. And right now, in my chapter, in my life, where I'm at geographically, where my feet are, like you mentioned, my, defini my definition of winning is, is definitely changing. Um, and that's not to say that I won't step back into those um, kind of air quote competitive arenas. Um, I do have some, some high aspirations uh, to do some more things. I don't think I'm done in the game at all as far as like being on the sideline and, 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 and reaching for the next trophy or ring or whatever. But I just think given the platform that I've given now, I want to try to make as much impact as possible, um, knowing that I have the, the ability and the experience and um, hopefully the, 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 the foresight to be able to carry it out. So um, it's, 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 it's rewarding. It's tough sometimes, don't get me wrong. Um, I, do, I do envy all of the guys that are out there moving and grooving 100% of the time. Um, I miss it um, a lot. I'm a competitor at heart, uh, but I just think knowing what I know now, I would be, um, I'd be doing myself, and I like to think I'd be doing the the, the community and the game a disadvantage, a disservice. Sorry, if I didn't put forth as much effort as I do into you know our outreach programs, especially here in a place that means so much to me. So. So you mentioned kind of that still that burning passion to compete and whatever. Is there is there a a kind of master plan or a, an idea of where <laughs> would Jojo, Jojo want to get to the uh, first team of MLS and be working at that level? Or are you yeah. happy in what you, like a support role or what do you kind of foresee maybe uh a lot of the, a lot of it is going to be driven by my 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 family dynamics. Um, you know, I've got two young kids. I got a five year old. I got a three year old. Um, so they play a lot in my decisions. Um, you know, not only day to day, but kind of long term as well. Um, and so, I to answer your question, I, yes, I'd love to be a first team coach uh, in a, in in the MLS or maybe even somewhere in Europe. I'd love to be on a national team staff one day. I, I grew up adoring the Kobe Jones and the Jeff Agus and the Eddie Pope and the, 
young, you know, blonde Landon Donovan and Demarcus Beasley and and uh, <laughs> those guys, um, Eddie Wolf and 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 sorry, Josh Wolf and uh, those dudes. You know, I remember I remember one of my favorite soccer memories of all time is uh, is waking up at like three in the morning to watch U.S. Mexico 2002 World Cup. Um, with my uncle there in Houston, as a matter of fact, like I, and I remember watching those guys. It's like, man, and, and seeing the, the old school crest, I'll be honest with you. I don't really like the new crest for the Federation. I like the old one better. That's just, I got the old one hanging in my garage. And so I'm, I was, I think from then on, I was hooked. I was like, Oh my gosh, I either want to play for them or coach for them or do something, you know? And so I think now realizing the path that I've been on, um, I, I want to continue to try. I would love, absolutely love to work for the Federation at some point in time. Um, I had kind of my chance last year. Um, I was going to go and get my grassroots instructor license. However, COVID hit. Actually, right around this time last year, I was preparing to do that. I was going to think I bought tickets um, to get over to Kansas City. and was I'd already started my pre-course assignments and all that stuff. And then, and then the, the, the country shut down. So um, that was really, really fulfilling for me, that that sense of pride, knowing that, oh, wow, this is my kind of this is a chance for me to kind of get my foot in the door with something that I aspired to since I was very young. So the national team is the national team set up in some way, shape, form, fashion is, is definitely on my radar. Um, I would love to get back into the MLS because, uh, you know, I'm a I was a lifelong fan of the MLS. I remember the Dallas burn. Um, matter of fact, I knew some of the players. I still know some of the players from the Dallas burn. Uh, that are in the Metroplex that I still talk to. So, um, and then my connections with the Dynamo, um, I, 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 I would love to get back into the MLS. I don't know whether it's on the first team setup or maybe even the academy, um, but somewhere in and around that realm would, would be awesome. Uh, same thing. I love the college game. Um, I love the aspect of being able to impact guys that were, you know, kind of old enough to be able to reason and make their own decisions, but still young enough to be impressionable. And you could really set them up for life like I was. Um, and that's where kind of like, you know, Stephanie and, and Kenny came in, especially, you know, coach Clements at TJC, he was really, really impactful for me as a player. And so um, that realm is extremely enticing to me to be able to get back to the college game. Um, and then again, I love, I, I like the school setting. You know, I spent three, four years as a varsity coach um, and, and teaching in the high school. Um, and then obviously in athletic administration in school settings. So uh, I, you know, I, there's a, there's a couple of different pathways uh, for me. I just I'll say this. I just want to be able to continue to be around the game and have an impact where that is, um, how I get there, what level. I'll leave that to the people that make way more money than, than me to decide. But um, I just I want to be able to impact people, impact organizations, impact the game. Um, and then hopefully, you know, if, 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 if my winnings continue to be just having that impact and seeing kids smile, great. If that ends up, you know, turning into, you know, monetary, um, um, you know, tangible monetary sums of money, that'd be great as well. Um, and then, you know, and then, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to say no to winning some more rings or medals or champion. I mean, I just, I, I don't really know, to be honest with you. I think, like, I, I think I mentioned it before. In my opinion, greatness is doing your ordinary tasks extraordinarily well. And I think that's the only thing I'm focused on right now is 
where my feet are right now and doing the best job um, I can at doing it. Um, and so everything else I'll leave up to uh, the cosmic, um, you know, being in the universe that controls all. So um, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that to them. <laughs> Uh, Jojo, this has been so stinking cool. I've loved kind of hearing about how you've kind of bibbity bop through so many different, like, <laughs> that you literally wear in a hat now, uh, different yeah. hats that you've worn, um, and then where you're at now. If people want to connect with you and maybe catch up on, you know, what's going on at FC Dallas, uh, East Texas, or have some questions about athletic director or high school coaching or any of that information or just Texas and Texas soccer in general, what's sure. a great way to get in touch with you? First and foremost, social media. Um, I am on Twitter um, at Juarez2560 on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. Uh, they can absolutely reach out to me there. Um, I think the one, the other avenue that's pretty uh, viable is the FC, just kind of Google FC Dallas East Texas. Um, hit that in your search bar. It'll pull up our website. As a matter of fact, I think my face is like the very first thing that pops up there. Um, so my email and my cell phone is, is there as well. You're, they're able to, uh, to go on the website, shoot me an email, um, fcdetxjunior, um, tyler at gmail.com. And so um, multiple ways, social media and probably my email address are probably the two ways uh, most likely um, that they can get a hold of me. So and I will share all of that information in the, the notes for the episode on the podcast, on YouTube, all, all the things that I share. And I'll put, put them out there on Twitter and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to wrap this thing up, JoJo. This was so stinking awesome. Loved it. This is Karen Coach's Corner Chats, and I'm out. Peace. A big shout out to King and Fifth for hooking me up with the AMRAP beanie. Check them out at kingandfifth.com.